What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast. Uh, this is Chris Palmatessa here, and um, I am back at you with another episode. I've been interviewing comics from around South Florida who also happen to be veterans, and and the gentleman I'm I'm joined by here today is an awesome guy. I've, I've gotten to know him over the past couple of weeks. He's a U.S. Army veteran. Really, really funny dude. I'm also told he's a musician musician as well i almost said magician maybe you are a magician i'm not sure but uh, fucking uh crazy. not not quite there hey, welcome to work i'm working on it <laughs> hey everyone how you doing awesome man awesome so here, man. dude for uh for the audience out there um maybe give them like a a, a two minute background of who you are where you're coming from and and uh your experience in the military um, okay, so real quick, I was an uh, Army brat growing up. My dad is a West Point uh, grad, class 84. Um, and because of that, someone's just car alarm is going off right now. <laughs> you guys have to forgive me. I'm at, I'm at my uh, night job. I work as a bartender in Miami. But um, I was born in Fort Benning, and then my dad got PCS to um, Germany for four years, and then he got PCS to Virginia for four years, and that's where I did high school and most of middle school. And then from there, I uh, took it upon myself to enlist, went to Fort Leonard Wood, got stationed in Fort Carson, and then I selected to, after going back to college, I selected to become a Florida veteran. Um, to say the least, it's had a couple of its ups and downs, but uh, altogether, I uh, really appreciate Florida for what it is, because it's basically the Australia of America. Yep. Uh, and I've been down here for five years, and been doing comedy for about four, and it's been going pretty well. That's awesome, man. Uh, I should also mention uh, the uh, family business, uh, since my dad was in the Army. Uh, both of my brothers are currently serving. My older brother is in the uh, Air National Guard. He just won Airman of the Year. And my younger brother is a uh, 11 Bravo out of Hawaii. He got the dream posting. He doesn't know what to do with himself because everything in Hawaii is expensive and he's living on grunt pay. So it definitely <laughs> has this moment for him. That's, that's awesome man so like you know I, I i know a lot of veterans i mean obviously this doing this podcast and having been in the marine corps and, and everything and, and uh i have to say some of the funniest people are the people i served with um when did you start thinking about doing comedy like when did that come a thing become a thing for you honestly for me it was right around uh ait um, I noticed that as far as everyone else is concerned, since you can basically base it off the fact that any experience you have in the military, any branch, you have to have a sense of humor with it, because otherwise you're not going to laugh. And it was put upon me to be the jokester, um, especially with my first unit, because I've always had a good sense of humor based off my dad, um, simply because he's former artillery. So, you know, you just have to have a sense of humor with those guys, especially the fact that they nine times out of ten can't hear what you're saying. So you got to say it loud and proud. Um, but I got into it based off the fact that I was always I was always trying to make sure that everyone around me was at least had some levity to it and wasn't, you know, having the worst time with it. I think the best example I can give you is uh, right before the gas chamber. I was doing my Will Ferrell, Harry Perry impersonation for everybody. It's uh, how exactly this is going to suck, but the Cubs won, and that's okay. Um, and ever since then, I've progressed it into different avenues as far as comedy is concerned, especially in, in Miami, but also in Boca and West Palm and uh, Jacksonville and Tampa for a year. 
Um, Charlie mentioned the whole move to Florida was initially based upon a woman, and we're no longer together, but I like the weather, so I stuck around. And through that, I found comedy, and it's been a been a really good, uh, rewarding experience for me. I've uh, been lucky enough to find myself uh, employed by one of the improvs down here for a year. I worked uh, at the Miami Improv. Got a lot of really good experience out of it, um, just observing and you know being around comedy. And they have one of the best staffs uh, I've ever worked with, as far as you know, either being in or out of the service. And um, it's just a really good appreciation for for humor in this in this neck of the woods, especially to the fact that everyone kind of piggybacks off of Miami to go to LA or to go to Texas or to go to New York. But I think that we have a pretty good blend of people that are all working as far as comedy is concerned. So it's always good. That's awesome, man. How long have you been out of the military? I've been out since 2013. Nice, man. And and what was it like when you first got out? Like, did you have a plan? Did you did you think you were gonna um, do something? Did that change along the way? The plan was when I got out is to go to college um, and finish up my bachelor's and. I was in pursuit of that when I joined the college rugby team. Um, a lot of concussions and a lot of uh, keg stands and a couple of further steps from that, I decided that my body would be better used if I uh, wasn't so brutal on it. Um, but my game plan initially was to be a teacher, and then I looked at the pay grade for that, and I just said that's probably not the world's best idea for me um, due to the fact that I have a uh, hood-rich sensibility to myself as to where I'm from. I'm from Miami, so, you know, the car is not paid for, but the rims are. Um, but that being said, I, uh, I I found a greater appreciation after getting out of pursuing comedy because it's something I've always been interested in, and bartending allows me a chance to be able to do that and also have, you know, a lifestyle where I can still go out and hit mics and do shows. Um, I'm, you know, most times, most jobs wouldn't let you go on a Saturday night and do two shows shows but that's what i'm doing tomorrow night so Mm -hmm. it's really rewarding and it's if you work for it you can get somewhere good with this um that's what i've noticed especially in my experience in the last year uh and just observing all the comics that have come through the improv is that's the one thing that i take away from you gotta keep coming back to it even if you have a bad set or if you have a bad interaction with the comic find another mic find another place to go keep working at it um just like every just like breaking down a weapon it gets better with repetition that's how it is yeah yeah that's definitely something i'm finding was was there a time when you weren't so certain like before you found comedy where was there a time when you were like oh man what the hell am i gonna do and and what was that period of time like for you if it did exist i can tell you the exact moment i was working at the chipotle at the international mall in tampa and I was filling up burrito bowls and making burritos and just not getting rewarded the way I wanted to get rewarded as far as, you know, being passionate about it. I mean, I do love Mexican food, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's not going to be the rest of my life. And that's kind of when I take the assessment, take a step back and go, there's got to be something else that I can do here that allows me to, you know, fuel my creative passion, but at the same time, for, you know, go towards a a better indication as to what I'm doing as far as, you know, being able to bring levity and being able to bring joy to people. Because at the end of the day, that's what a comic is supposed to do. He's supposed to be able to lighten the mood, but also highlight the issues that everyone is facing and make it funny and get people talking about it. And I think uh, George Carlin said it best, the duty of the comic to find the line and repeatedly cross it. 
And I agree with that 1000% just because of the fact that I'm a conflicting personality. And I've noticed in comedy that if you're a conflicting personality, you may not get on with everybody, but you'll get on with the right. You just have to look for them. That's cool. That's cool. If you are, so for, for the guys who listen to this, a lot, a lot of them, the guys and gals are, are, are Marine Corps veterans or army and, and uh, mm-hmm. whether they're going, thinking about going into comedy or not, do you have any advice for them who might be in that position where they're looking at their life and they're like, you know, I don't really want to be doing this right now. Like, like what, what would you tell them? I would say that if you have an interest in something along those lines, can you help us out with this? I can. Please, thank I you. got you. Uh, raspberries, limes, brown the simple. Raspberries don't, don't worry about the raspberries. Okay, sorry about that. Um, as far as uh, what to do and in order to find your creative passion and 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 fuel it, um, I was just talking with Emilio earlier today about um, going to a mic and trying out new material. It's built in for us to be able to always try to work on stuff, but. Um, if you want to pursue that, my best advice to you would be to hit a local mic, get on the list, and bring some friends, have some beers, and just try out something that makes you laugh and take it from there. And if it makes you laugh, it's going to make other people laugh and snowball effect. It'll just build up from there. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let me ask you this, too. I mean, like... What about for the for the guys out there who 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 might not ha, might not want to try comedy? Like, is there anything else that you you'd tell them? Like, if they were trying to move forward and they were trying to figure the way, um, if it's not comedy, I feel like it's basically you know built into most of the veterans that I know that if you're doing something and it's not going the way you want it to, mm-hmm. you got to embrace the stuff, you got to get through it, and then you got to figure out what's important to you and what makes you feel like it gives value to your life, whether it be comedy, whether it be mm-hmm. acting, music, magicians, whatever it may be. And to really dig into it and to really, you know, as far as try to find something that, you know, is the reason why you get out of bed every, every day. And um, for me, that's, it's a little bit narcissistic to say, but it's the um, approval of getting on the same wavelength as others and going, yeah, man, I agree with mm-hmm. that. That's true. Yeah, man. That's really funny. Yeah, man. How come no one's ever said that before? And sometimes it comes about in ways where it's accepted by everyone. Yeah. Sometimes it's accepted by some people. Sometimes it's accepted by just you. And as long as you're happy at the end of the day, uh, I mean, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be doing UFC fighting or mm-hmm. snowboarding or something along those lines. Um, but uh, I need to make money off of my face because I'm a bartender, so I can't really do that. Uh, but that being said, I think the, uh, well, I'm a bartender in the community, but that being said, it definitely adds an effect to it as far as finding what you're passionate about, whatever it may be. Um, for me, uh, it was based on the fact that I was really big into creative writing when I was in high school and when I was in college. And I found that I was a really good writer and I took it from there as far as, you know, based on how to tell stories, how to make those stories funny, and then taking the funny bits from those stories and peppering it into my comedy a little dash here and there and then building up from there and i was always told by my friends you know coming up like hey man you should really try comedy hey man you should really try comedy and it wasn't until i think as i posted on facebook but one of my drill sergeants liked to like the picture of mine where i was on an improv stage like that's exactly where i think you'd be uh that being said opsec being what it is you're not supposed to be friends with your drill sergeants on facebook but i'm out of the army now so there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) 
<laughs> Freaking um so what makes what makes for a good set? Like you mentioned George Collins quote about that line, right? Like you mm-hmm. gotta be constantly trying to cross that line. And like I was at an open mic the other day and and this girl, she wasn't like heckling, but she was just constantly like, Hey, I don't agree with that, or hey, I don't agree with this. One of the things I tried to explain to her during that is that there is that line and and our job as comedians is to constantly go up to that line and there's got to be some trust between the comedian and the audience that says okay we might be talking about something really fucked up but we're gonna we're gonna try to make you laugh and there's there's a joke here right but like it seems like so many people are freaking getting pissed off about where the line is right now and and what do you think about that and and how can a comedian still create good comedy in this time and place where people want to get pissed off about everything. I think that people are always going to have something to complain about, no matter how you do it. Um, you could try to play it as safe as possible. You could be really signed up with it, do a clean set where you're just making observations about everyday stuff. But in my opinion, the best comedian is not the type that relies on the crowd. The best comedian is the type that relies on themselves and knows within themselves I could go up there and do crowd work deployments, but at the end of it, I'm not going to feel rewarded because of the fact that I'm not doing what I meant to do. And it took me a long time when I started off because for about a year I was doing things that played it safe. And, you know, I never really, you know, pushed the envelope as far as my comedy was concerned. But I think the best set is when you're being yourself. And that's unapologetically, unedited, completely yourself. Yeah. And if people don't agree with it, you can explain to them, hey, this is my point of view. It's different than yours. That's what makes this country great. We have different opinions and we can still get along. And if it upsets you, there's the door. Because we're not going to be able to progress in society. Everyone keeps complaining about every single thing that you know comes up and they have to be sensitive about it. Right. And speaking as a member of the generation of participation trophies, I can tell you that a lot of people nowadays need to have the reality check of, no, this is different from your opinion. You may not agree with it, but that's okay. As long as we agree to disagree on that, we can move ahead peacefully and, you know, amicably to the point of where we can all agree that that may not be your brand of comedy, but maybe someone else. And I would never, ever allow myself to, to, you know, become someone that walks into the crowd and relies on just going off of the people in the front row and making fun of them for 15, 20 minutes. Because you're not doing anyone a service at that point in time. You're just doing crowd work. Right, right. Cool. So, yeah, we got cut off for a second, but you were just talking about um, uh, comedians like who go into the front road and and, and just do crowd work and and how that's kind of not being themselves and and uh, getting away from from why they're there, right? Mm-hmm. You basically you're basically what you're doing at that point in time is just bullshitting with an audience, and right. that's fun and it's a great way to you know at least enjoy yourself when you're on stage, but you're not really you're not really doing the due diligence as far as, you know, discovering how to get better at your craft. I've been doing this for five years at this point in time and uh, four and a half, let's be honest, but about four and a half at this point in time. And I've noticed through a progression that, you know, starting off, it was a lot of based off my inspiration between Robin Williams, Dimitri Martin, Bill Burr, all those guys. It's a weird blend, I know. But um, 
I base it off the fact that, you know, each one of those guys are individually unique to their own brand of comedy. And this past year, um, I saw a lot of comics come through. I saw Mark Norman, I saw Andrew Schultz, I saw Tim Dillon, but pound for pound, the best comedian that I saw this past year was D. Ray Davis. And the reason why is because he was booked back last February for five shows of the improv and those sold out within a day. So we added three more shows and those sold out within 10 minutes. So he's got an eight week, eight show weekend coming up. And this is my first real weekend working security. So I got to watch every single show and they were eight individual different shows. And I can tell you as a comedian, that is incredible to watch, but also in, in, in awe inspiring to witness. And I told him at the end of the week, and I was like, dude, you have no idea how much I've been writing this weekend just based off watching you. And he said, you know, he, he, he dapped me up and he said, hey man, that's exactly what I do this for. It's because of guys like you and because of the fact that I want to be able to inspire people to not keep relying on the rest of their laurels. I want them to keep pushing the envelope as far as, you know, at least finding a commonality and continue to push forward as far as, you know, what you're trying to get done. And he was working on a special before COVID hit and he had a chance to put up, but he was going to do it at the gardens and couldn't do it anymore. But he decided to at least take the bulk of his material, take it on tour and still give people a killer show front to back. And I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest things I've ever seen as far as doing eight different shows. But that was, that was a, that was a real, uh, that was a real gut check moment for me because I looked at myself and I was like, I could be doing a hell of a lot more than what I'm doing because how it happens with most amateur comedians is you're told to have five minutes ready and that's it. And you may have a solid five minutes, but if you never work past that five minutes in the 10, 15, 20, you're never going to get anywhere. You'll start booking feature spots and like that. So, yeah, it, it is because I'm brand new to this. I've been doing it since November, right? And so, what it seems like there's there's like a really really strong temptation that five that you really with and to keep doing that um and, yeah. and, and to just keep doing that over and over again and i as a new comedian i go to a bunch of open mics every week and you know for the past two months i've seen a lot of other new comedians doing the same five minutes over and over and over again and and i don't see how you get better from that if that's all you're doing right i, I can see how you, you improve your timing and improve like your, your presentation of that particular set, but I don't see how you grow, how you grow mentally, how you cut your teeth. If that's all you're doing. The best piece of advice I got as far as that was concerned is from a comedian called Tennessee Williams, who is a West Palm local, but he's a internationally known comedian. Um, we were talking one night about, you know, how to set up material and set up stuff like that. And he said that his goal is to, at the end of a week, even if it's, you know, just set up in a punchline, is to come up with 10 new jokes that you want to try on stage. That you're excited about trying on stage and that you want to show off to people. And the way you said to do that is every month, make it a goal to have a new 10 minutes by the end of the month. So that way, by the end of the year, you got 120 minutes. You got two hours of material that you can pull off of it and test it, that you can go off and do, hey, I can do this, I can do that, I can add this, and I can add that in. And that's a simple goal. Some people, you know, you know, you don't have to shoot for 10, you can shoot for five. So at the end of the year, you still have, you know, a full hour ready to go. Um, but don't rely on the safety net of what works and what doesn't work because you know it works already. Um, and I think it's intimidating because comedians are very sensitive people, but at the same time, we're sensitive to, you know, the, the audience and what we're trying to do for them. And in this particular instance, in my experience, um, you have to embrace the bombs. 
you're going to bomb at some point. Everybody bombs on stage. And as long as you can get past the initial awkwardness of it and the initial, oh, you know, foot and mouth thing of it, and you're willing to work through the awkward silence, you'll get somewhere really good with it. Um, reminds me of a Craig Ferguson uh, comment that he had as far as, you know, embracing the awkward silence because it's going to happen. But if yeah. you take it for what it is and you go, okay, well, that didn't work so well, and you get back up there and you try it again, you may find something new. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel lucky to be down here in South Florida because, like, we've got a lot of mics going on. There's a strong community here. I've gotten to meet some really awesome people. I've gotten some really advice, really great advice from great people like yourself, uh, and Hanson Sinclair, and, and Lee Smith, and a few others. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's been cool. But in a lot of places, it seems like, you know, it would be a lot harder to do this. Like if you're yeah. if you're in some other city or if you're in like central Florida or something like that, like it'd be a lot more difficult to do this. What's your advice for people who are in, in those areas and maybe they can't move because of their job or anything like that? If you don't have a scene, make a scene. Uh, that'd be my advice. You just have one or two mics locally. Um, uh, so, uh, the best example I can give you is um, uh, I used to be roommates with Sean Mons, who's up in Boca. And Sean and I, when we were starting off as comics, we would go to the same rooms and we wouldn't be able to get on. So we'd, you know, we'd leave Boca and we'd go to Miami or we'd leave Boca and we'd go to West Park. And the same thing for where everybody's at. Even if there's not something going on in your town, check a couple of towns over. You may have to drive for a little bit, but grab some buddies, you know, have make a night of it, go out, get some food afterwards. That's the best experience I can tell you as far as being a comic is concerned. Not the mics, but the people that you get to do them with. And the story that you have with them after the fact. Um, two of my best buddies in the comedy game were Ryan Scott and Danny Fallon. And I laughed harder hanging out with them after a show than I did during a show or during a mic because of the experiences that we talked about and, you know, things that we're working on, how our families are doing, all that stuff. And that's where it really is, is the connection with the other comics that I think is really important. If you can connect with another comic, you can tell them, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. It's not really going on over here, but I have an interest in this. You can make it happen. Um, it may take some you know, trials and tribulations to get it up and running, but if you're passionate about it and other people are passionate about it, form a group, form a team, get it going, and, and take care of business. And I'm sure in today's creative day and age, if you can't do it in person, you can do it online. You can find someone you know is willing to collaborate and go, hey, we can't all meet up at this spot. We can all get on a Zoom call and take it from there, even though Zoom call comedy shows do suck. I'll say that for the record. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a definite there's a definite give and take to it. So as long as you're willing to take your lumps and give it a chance with others, as far as you know, it may not be popping off where you're at. Um, I can tell you, my folks live in Williamsburg, Virginia. There is two comedy clubs in Williamsburg, Virginia, but uh, Richmond's an hour away, and there's eight to nine comedy clubs in Richmond. For DC, three hours away. Well, three and a half. So you go from DC, you check out DC. You know, so if it's not happening where you're at make it happen and if you can't make it happen where you're at get in the car and and hit the road 
That's cool. Um, yeah, you mentioned Danny. Danny's a really, really funny dude, and I, I like him a lot. He's he's, he's super nice, super uh, super um, willing to give advice. He's been really great. And there's been a lot of great people down here uh, as far as everything goes. I think, I think part of this is just being humble too, right? And listening and having not not putting your ego in the whole thing. I think that's the other thing I give as far as the takeaway is if you're not humble about it, you will be humbled at some point by it because you're, I can tell you, I, I, can, I can list off three or four comments that I know that need a reality check because they have an opinion that their shit doesn't think. But at some point in time, it's going to hit them. It may not be next week. It may not be next month. But in the next foreseeable future, they're going to be hit with the reality check of humbling themselves as far as, you know, whether or not the celebrities that they're pursuing or the, you know, you know, kind of show that they're pursuing, they may not be able to get, so they may have to take a step back and go, okay, well, I can't do that right now, but I can still do this. And Miami is weird like that as far as, you know, I've, I've seen people that have absolutely no support system or anything at all go on stage and absolutely crush them. I've seen people that have, you know, 10,000, 20,000 followers on Instagram, you know, they're, they're up there and they're doing a complete and total farcical act as far as, you know, what their comedy is concerned because, they're taking bits and pieces from everybody else and they're not being true to themselves. So that's a really good way to humble yourself as well. As long as you're true to yourself and you're willing to admit that you're not always right, you're not always going to have the right reaction, but you're willing to learn from that, you can go far in the way. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're, so new media is a pretty big deal here, too, right? Because you see a lot, and you mentioned people who go on Instagram, but and, and they might call themselves comedians on Instagram, but they don't always go on stage. And that's one thing. But but I think comics have been able to use social media pretty create creatively. And, you know, you do your, your Twitter dumps. And I posted one on the uh, Warrior Soul account today. It got, it got a lot of traction. Like, people love that. It was the, uh, the 3M earplug joke. That was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Um, but Thank but you, you finding um you finding that that stuff helps? Do you use social media to test things out? Or I do, I do. I um I use that as a platform to kind of test out some stuff that I want to put online versus stuff that I want to say on stage. But it's a good avenue to use use it correctly. Um, for example, I have a TikTok account, but I'm never going to post TikTok videos in my sets. Um, maybe if they're professionally recorded, but that's just that's just depends upon. Weird scripts will be close because you can make a million one Instagram posts that are hilarious, but you can go on stage and eat a bag of dicks. Um, and it really depends upon what your comfort level is and how you express yourself. I love Twitter because it's 240 characters to get the joke out, and that's a premise, setup, and punchline. And sometimes it doesn't even be the premise, just the setup and the punchline. And that's why that's why I gravitate towards as a writer because it limits me to what I can do, but it it allows me to work within the, that framework to make sure that I can, you know, at least provide for myself the creative endeavor to, you know, push myself a little bit harder for what I'm trying to do next. Because I've, I've been on stage where I've been told that I'm way too intelligent. I need to dumb down my humor and not be so wordy with it. So that's a good, that's, that's how I use it. But nowadays, with social media being what it is, is, you know, I'm also looking at the perspective of um, the, uh, the, metaverse and also the whole thing with crypto as far as you know i uh, i look at it creatively from from taking your jokes and possibly turning them into nfts that way you have ownership of your jokes in some form or another and allowing your allowing your humor to at least you know be monetized and make money out because 
Comedians don't make a lot of money. Uh, some of them do, but not a lot of them. So I, uh, I base it off the fact that a lot of people are trying to get famous. I'm just trying to get paid for this because uh, bartending is nice, but it'd be really nice to, you know, pick up a Netflix special or an HBO special at some point in time for sure. But if you can't do that, you can still express yourself and monetize it, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Um, I think that's a really great way to, you know, at least allow yourself to be expressive, but at the same time, introduce a possible revenue stream at some point in time, because you may not be the funniest person on stage, but you got 8,000 followers on Instagram. You can still sell merch for your shows. You can still sell tickets for shows. You can still sell, you know, um, you know other people on comics. Hey, I'm not good enough for this show, but book this guy, which I think that's probably my biggest downfall. Is I always try to support the scene, and I don't really support myself as much as I need to, but I'm okay with that because I think that's a better way to be about it. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot. I came from the fitness industry, was do, had a fitness presence for a long time. And uh, I saw a lot of the same thing going on there as far as, you know, people needing to monetize themselves and, and trying to get that, that stuff out there. All right, dude, we are back. And um, yeah, we were talking about uh, areas where it's, it's harder to find places to, to do comedy. Um, you know, what, what can guys do if they're, if they're not able to find a place, they're not in a place like Miami or, or South Florida where there's tons of open mics and things like that. Um, so good example of that, that I will offshoot from is a friend of mine, Jason Stockton, uh, mm-hmm. out in Texas. Um, he's very passionate about comedy. He's down here, he's up to Texas, really noticed there was kind of a scene, but not really. Um, and started doing producing his own shows and taking on things that maybe better. But um, so a good example of taking initiative and if there's a lot of scenes to make a scene, um, even if it's not special and all these points, which I can say a good example of that. I'm not happy about it, but But no, the, uh, the thing is that there's. Um, a good example is locally is uh, Alex Tarno and Joe uh, Hernandez mm-hmm. and uh, Sergio Mendez. There wasn't really a scene beyond a couple of things Miami professional clubs. So we started doing county comedy. We started talking really a good example of what to do with our business. How to at least create moments of what you're trying to do with the channels, what you're trying to do, which if anyone wants to do that, you can start a scene. That's what we're doing. You can start off locally with people that you know, and play with basic work, build up from there. Because um, sometimes if you talk about basic work, you don't want to start putting on you that you have a bad taste in comedy based off people that you book. Double-edged sword, but um, I feel like people nowadays, especially with the internet being running, can't do it locally and do it online. And yeah. even if there's not the outlet of being able to go to a show or go to a mic, you have to you have to wait for the monthly showcase. And you have to email and you have to send in a ten-minute clip and all that stuff. You put it's still worth it. Still do it. Um, I can say for myself, I've been working at comedy clubs the past year that. My professionalism as far as working in a comedy club um, leaves something to be desired because of the fact that I worked at one. So I didn't really have the same pressure everyone else does whenever they do a show at the improv because I've been around it for so you know for so long at this point in time that I've kind of 
used to that level of professionalism whenever I go and do something. And it's a little selfish because a lot of people don't have that. The nearest spot in Virginia, for example, for comedy is Richmond. And then there's D.C. Now, I'm from Lindenburg. I can say right now that there's probably one or two comedy clubs in Lindenburg. But the local mic scene is probably off the charts because uh, you get a couple of people that are really passionate about something in the same area and you coordinate with them. You know, hey, we've all got Wednesday night off. Let's do a show. Do a mic with you something. We can make some money for the restaurant. We can all have a good time. It's not that it's great. There's enough young entrepreneurs to comedy that get a mic going or a show going or a couple on those times without too much of an ask. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I, like I said, I feel lucky to be down here and, and, and being around a great community. But yeah, if you want to do something, you got to kind of sometimes go out and create it uh, if you're going to do it. I mean, kind of the same thing with podcasts. I didn't know shit about podcasting, but I just went and looked and created it, right? Um What's your what's your main goal? What are you what are you looking to do with comedy? Do you have an end game in mind? My push is to be a writer for somebody. Um, whether or not it be working in a writer's room, like I think out in LA, or a spot like Texas, um, or even here in Miami, or um, all the way up to working for a late night comedy show and mm-hmm. just working on a you know a five to ten minute segment. Thank you so much that you can. Get really good. Everything is spicy there. Like, um, no, the uh, the great thing about it is there's also eating very much. Uh, shout out to the Jake. Oh, nice. It is half hour. Two rolls for seven dollars. That's awesome. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I know where to find it. Um, they're they're not sponsoring the second five but <laughs> so um, thank you so much. So the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the question to be a writer, um, ultimately, either for a late night show, what I would like to do is I'd also like to put it to somebody and start doing a podcast around uh, simply because there's enough of a takeaway from a show like Food and Cards and Coffee. I don't have that kind of budget, uh, nor do I have those kind of those kind of nice cars. The best I can do is probably walk through a parking lot of a ship club and just be on the car and seem like we're talking about it. Um, but I do have tacos. And so I've been considering doing a show, podcast based on going to a taco spot and, and having a guest on and trying out some tacos and talking to comedy, which is an attainable goal for me. But you have to have your five meter target, your 10 meter target, your 25 meter target. And in this case, at least, um, comedy wise, writing is where I get most of the enjoy out of it just because it's a way for me to keep tattooing myself. Pushing myself as far as where I can take the joke, where I can turn a joke, where I can a joke, what's funny about it, me at the joke, description, setup, punchline. Nine times I send the punchline to the thing the number, but it's not the funniest part of your joke. It really depends upon where you're at. Um, it's a long way of saying writing is what I'm passionate about as far as comedy is concerned. So, a job, getting paid for that, even if it's something as simple as being a ghostwriter for. Rappers diss tracks, you know. Uh, hit my inbox, anybody. Feel free. As far as you know, need help writing up a dissertation, something like that. I'll see what I can do. Um, I'll use I'll use Wikipedia. I'll give you my sources. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's that's part of it. It's definitely the writing aspect of it because that's what I get passionate about. Is because I like seeing people do 
original content more than the other one. I like it when that original content gets from the spot where you sat down, you wrote it out, you worked it out, you went through, you did it, and you know, I've seen some terrible comedians have some of the funniest jokes just because of the fact they stuck to their guts and they kept working at it until they had something that is polished and theirs and they can do at the drop of a hat it's instantly recognizable as one of their if not you know send-ups then it's definitely a, a, an original type thing which is the, is the big thing to me as far as comedy yeah there's, yeah you know, no that's cool i think with the podcast thing you don't need much of a budget to do a podcast at all. Like you, you, you just start it with like Libsyn and like, you know, doing a mic or like, you know, get, get a, uh, get a phone and things like that. I think you'd be good at it though. I told you that. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh style. Yeah. Shoot it all on an iPhone. Um, no, I, I definitely, I definitely have the push for it. I'm going uh, to talk with a, a friend of mine as far as doing something on those lines. That's cool. That's cool, man. Well, awesome. Um, what's uh, how, how do you um, how do you balance everything? You know, you got you got a job, you, you, you do comedy and things like that. How do you balance everything out? Um, uh, I'm gonna take a take a mention real quick of Lonnie Cox. He gave me a pretty good note uh, about two years into doing this. He said, I hit the gym and I hit a mic. If I can't do a mic, then I try to go and get on someone's show. Someone's not available, I show up. I try to do some time. I thought I'd help out taking pictures, make sure that everybody you know, gets a video of their sets. Remember that the next time I'll be there, that's what I'll be doing. So, from staff, plus the fact that I work four to three to four nights a week. Um, and that's from, you know, witching hours from four, until, you know, 4 p.m. until 3 a.m., uh, sometimes 4 a.m. So that's kind of how I gauge it is, you know, I'm lucky. I'm incredibly lucky to have a job that I do and work the hours that I work and to make the money that I make and to still be able to do comedy. Because there's other people that work in the Miami bar scene that don't have it, um, but are still able to you know, work around it. One of them, for example, shout out to Danny Benavante, a uh, great comedian, also works at uh, Better Days and is able to still go out and do comedy and work in the bar center, which even the table thing, it's just the hours are insane for us, especially being downtown. Um, just because of the fact that you have all sorts of personalities. I think it's very true that actors need to find the melting pot, especially near the airport, which is just a note that I have for the year as far as where I'm working. But I've worked in and around the comedy scene for long enough to know that um, you don't want it to become a point of where you feel obligated do it you want to enjoy you want to get excited about going right. and doing it so you have to have that built-in period where you take breaks for a little bit where you're just like yeah no i don't want to do that mic this week but we'll put that mic less six months and i just want to take it out where i'm not doing it even i get to see my friends they'll understand if they're my friends taking taking a taking a hiatus for the next couple of weeks which a lot of people need to do i've taken a hiatus twice just doing this one of them was kind of forced on me when everybody was in the depths of covid but that was you know, March to March to May time frame. You see, they hit somebody was having a mic about in five, six miles away. We can balance it. We just have to look for it. That's cool. That's cool. Is there a point? Um, so, like, like I, I'm new. Like I said, I see like different levels out there. There's like. Mm-hmm. People like me are hitting every mic they can. There, there's people who are doing shows quite often, and then when they're trying to work something out, out they'll hit a mic. 
like is there a point where people stop doing so many mics and things like that or or you know there is thank you so much there is a um trade-off i think uh for when you overexpose yourself and when you get oversaturated with it to the point where you're doing too many mics um I used to be a five mic, you know, a, you know, five mics a week kind of guy. And after six months of doing that, that's all I was doing. So I was socializing, so I was talking to, I wasn't really doing, you know, anything. Hang on one second. My younger brother is in 11th series and he's activated. So he's uh, been activated. Oh shit. Uh, optics security yes, he's, he's being he's calling it a few um no it's uh it's just, go for great probably the next two hours um I'll go back. the thing about it is that there's a trade-off between getting it to the point of where you enjoy it to the point of where it becomes kind of like a chore doing it um I feel like some of the best mics that I've had have been in a room with six, seven people, and no one really heard the joke, but I'm able to just get what I need to get out of my system, um, work the jokes where I want to work them. As corny as it sounds, is if you're still starting off with this, you don't have to go to a mic to get some humor out of your day. Just carry a notepad and pen with you, and something yeah. funny happens, you're sitting in traffic, write it down, man. And it could be something very simple. It could be something that everybody can laugh at. It's, you know, just an observation based off of what I love doing is I would mention, you know, driving to a show, especially playing because of the fact that, you know, I've been in traffic enough to the point of where I can be five minutes just starting off because the stuff that I've written down in traffic while I'm on my way to the show, writing out the rest of my set because, you know, you have, you have to take, you have to take what the day gives. And especially comedies, you don't want to, you don't want to come to the point of where it's expected to see you. Stay in front of the spot. People are going to see you. I can say that first experience three times though. But it is different when you're not excited about, um, for example, is I think you're kind of company, but you're, you're still, you're still new to this. However, I'm pretty sure you get excited for the improv show. You're still excited to go see whoever it is. You don't want to lose that. That's what I'm saying. Right. Um, you know, working in professional comics on the scene, that if there were certain degrees that I got, I was like, oh, we got this guy coming. Oh, that's great. Well, in fact, you work at a comedy club and you got a, you know, national current screening coming through. Even though, you know, numbers may not be what you want them to be, you're still making money. They're still out there, still out seeing comedy. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Maybe a little more grateful about things that come to you. And, you know, I think that's what it is for me. It's but it comes expecting people that host the mic, host the show. Hey, I'm going to be there, man. I want to go up here, number five, number six. And undercuts the whole reason why we do this in the first place. You don't want to get to that point. You want to you want to get to the point of where you have your friends, you have your mics, you have your beers, you have your late night food runs, you know, pasta testing, your late night hot runs, whatever the case may be, and you enjoy it. You get to the point of where you know I still very close with Danny John and Ryan Scott based on the fact that there was like a six month period and Matt Ross. Where we were all just doing mics and talking possibly could, but together. That's the thing. Is you gotta find a group of people that you along with, which comedians are you know not the best at being 
social community, but they are pretty good at establishing the boundaries, make people boundaries in their ears, kind of common wavelength to talk about, whatever it may be. Um, there's enough on the end of the conversations. Well, cool, man. I, uh, man, I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on here. I appreciate all the advice you've given me. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's exciting being new in this, and and I'm excited for anybody out there who's who wants to try it out. Um, for for everybody at home, could you just run through uh, you know your you how they can follow you? Get in touch with you, that kind of stuff. Yeah, hang on a second. Fix mm-hmm. my camera. It's one of these things as far as I don't really play this iPhone. I look like I'm coming at you from Android. <laughs> um, it's Creighton underscore Bear on Instagram, Creighton underscore Bear on Twitter. Uh, there's also TikTok things that I have. I do not post TikTok. Uh, I have taxes, but I do have the available platform to reach me as far as uploading confidence complaints. I feel the same way about drinking fireball, though. So, uh, another joke just for the audience. Um, no, and Peyton there on Twitter, uh, email, uh, um, and reach out to me. If you guys have any more questions as far as comedy, my ties, or the soccer process out here concerns, I'm always here available to help. Outstanding. Not a lot of fun, but this is this is the time. Especially the best patients out of the week because my schedule is insane. Um, dude, we've had like eighty people this week. New York is filming, and I, I have to say, I appreciate the fact that I have space. I mean, it's space because like everyone that's come to the bar is like, you put more sugar in this? No, fine. Because otherwise, it's diabetic point in time. Like there's there's three ounces of simple syrup in there. You don't need any. Oh, I think I need some. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> um versus here it's just like can I get a line? Yeah you're good man. We got you. Um no. <laughs> uh but I appreciate the having me. It's a lot of fun. Awesome man. Awesome. Well thank you so much man. I'll let you get back to uh enjoying your uh, your happy hour there and to everybody else out there like i said i i hope that uh if you guys are considering this you do try it out and uh i'll put all the links up to uh finding creighton on the show notes for this episode uh get out there and live your best lives while you can this is chris and creighton. we are out Bye, guys.